Hello and welcome to the Unique CPA with your host, Randy Crabtree. We're committed to creating a thriving community of accounting professionals who are physically and mentally healthy, fulfilled, and energized by their work. Our ultimate goal is to elevate the reputation of the accounting profession and vastly improve the lives of those in it. The Unique CPA is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guest is Jody Grundin. Uh, Jody is a co-founder of Summit CPA Group, which uh, was founded in 2002. Uh, he actually, he and his partner merged that with uh, Anders CPAs and Advisors this past year in 2022. He is author of a couple books, uh, Digital Dollars and Cents, and Building the Virtual CFO Firm in the Cloud. Enough of me trying to explain who you are, Jody. Jody, welcome to the Unique CPA. Yeah, thanks, Randy. Appreciate you having me on. So a couple things. When I was doing the research uh, on you and on Summit, I didn't get too deep into it because today, and this will date um, when this is being recorded and when it's being released, which is probably going to have a handful of months in between, the USA was playing in the World Cup. And I was trying to research you and Summit while I was watching soccer today. And, and so got pretty well into it. But some of the things that I wasn't mentioned in the intro that I thought were pretty interesting, and I was hoping you could expand on it. Mm-hmm. I saw the summit and, and, and me, even you personally have been awarded different titles and, and awards and digital CPA and everything else. So can you expand on a couple of those? I saw a big one in 2017 and 2022. And, and was that a digital CPA thing or what was that? Yeah, it was actually both. So we uh, we were awarded the Innovation Award for the Indiana CPA Society, the inaugural one in 2017. In that same year, we were one of the finalists for the uh, DCPA's Innovation Award, the National Award. Fortunately, didn't make it. We didn't win at that time. But three years later, during the pandemic, uh, we ended up winning that award outright. So we uh, so we've won it both at the state level and now at the uh, national level, which is super cool. Yes, and. Uh, we're chairing the uh, DCPA event coming up. Well, actually, we see it in Austin um, this in, in 2022. So we're, we're we uh, I was able to uh, to win that that honor, which I'm super stoked about uh, speaking in front of the DCPA and, and kind of sharing my my journey. That's pretty cool. And, and again, to date ourselves, that's next week, uh, <laughs> right? In in Austin, I I actually may show up there. Sunday night into Austin. I haven't decided. I am not going to the event. It's sold out. Yep. But there's another event there that I may go show up to. But I was going to reach out to some people and say, hey, if you're in town, you want to get together? I don't know what kind of uh, outside of the uh, conference events they have, but I may have to reach out to you if there's something going on. That sounds great. Yeah, I'll let you know. All right. So so let's get into this. Enough about me uh, and what I'm going to do. Let's talk about you. And, and I want to... Uh, I want to get into the history of Summit because I'm intrigued by Summit by multiple ways. Uh, one, it's just the history of how you set up pricing with it. Two, it's the whole building this niche practice, which we've done with Trimerit, but this niche practice, but also having a niche client base within this practice. So I'm going to want to get into those eventually, a little tease there, but... What I want to talk about first is a little just history. I mean, you were in public accounting for years, so give us a little of that, and then give us that how then Summit was born out of that, how, where this came, idea came from, and and how you got it going. Yeah, no, great question. So I, uh, Brad out of college, went, worked for both uh, George S. Isla, which is now BKD Forvis, and then uh, worked there for there for about a year and a half, and then I moved over to Crow, moved back to my local town, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And worked for uh, for Crow, or actually Crow, and then then BKD. Uh, so I've had about three years of public accounting. Decided pretty quickly that 
public accounting just wasn't for me. Too many hours. It was, you know, it, it just, there's a lot of negatives that went along with it. And it, and I, and I was super important to have a, a strong relationship with my, my family at that point. I, you know, married uh, with two kids, uh, all under three years old. So pretty young. And I had to decide, you know, what we wanted to do. And so I decided to, the corporate world was for me. I'm going to move and go into the corporate world. And that's where I'm going to make my, uh, my stay. And so I went to the corporate world for about three years. I worked in the treasury department of a, of a $250 million manufacturing firm, did all of the accounting for it. Not, not accounting, but I did all the tax work for them. I did all the money management, a lot of great stuff. The only problem, it was like Groundhog Day. It was like the same thing over and over and over. And uh, it was exciting the first year because you're learning, right? Learning something new. Mm -hmm. But man, year two was really, it was horrible. It was, it was, you know, I was like looking for things to do. And it was like, this really wasn't, uh, wasn't for me. And it just happened that we were going through layoffs and I uh, took the opportunity. I was actually part of that committee and took the opportunity to say, Hey, I'm going to bow out myself and I'm going to uh, go with this regional firm and, and, and start to uh, run their, run their small practice. And they said, perfect. That'd be great. I hate to lose you, but only stipulation is you've got to be able to do our tax return. Uh, so bring, take it with you. I thought that's great. Cause that was kind of, kind of cool. Cause it was a $30,000 return at the time. That was a long 20 years ago. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And it was yeah. kind of seed money to kind of help uh, get things going. And so with this regional practice, again, that wasn't it, it, a lot of great ideas just wasn't working out for me. And I thought, you know, Hey, I just need to go out on my own and do this myself. And Ironically, my wife decided she's an attorney. She decided that she wanted to go out and do her thing on her own herself too. So the same month, we both quit our jobs and started <laughs> our own businesses. And uh, wow, what a risk that was. And when I look back at it now, I think, wow, that was kind of a fool. Fool, <laughs> uh, it worked out. I oh, forgot to tell you, we actually, back then they had the uh, houses that you can buy without having to show your, your income and stuff. And so yep. I had a brand new house too. So brand new house. Oh, nice. Just moved into, yep, three, uh, two little kids and and uh, no money. And so the only money I had was actually coming from uh, the manufacturing company that still wanted me to continue doing their their corporate tax return. So uh, hired my first employee with no clients, no money, and I was off to the races. And, uh, you know, from there, the idea was that if I do this, I was going to change the way that, it was going to work. It wasn't going to be a traditional accounting firm. It wasn't going to be work a bazillion hours. It wasn't going to be hiring people and they're working busy season and they're rotating out every two years because they're burnt out. I didn't want that type of a right. type of a thing. And so I had to kind of figure out how we can do this and how I can create this thing, a big e-myth uh, prescriber, you know, and I lo love that book. And, you know, it talks about processes and stuff. And I thought, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to really make myself invaluable, you know, and I, I mean, where anybody could do my job. And so it's like, so everything we did, we documented, we processed, we, we tried to make it so it was repeatable and scalable. And we just kind of grew it a little bit at a time. And, and, you know, we were, we weren't wearing the suits and ties, like all the business, you know, all the CPA firms were, were doing at the time. Now they're a lot lax, but that was a requirement when I was in there. And, you know, we were wearing just regular dockers, you know, golf shirts, you know, whatever. And clients loved it because they, you know, it was more them. You know, it wasn't like we were talking down to them. We we're more on their level and they, they appreciated that a lot. And so, you know, so we started, you know, doing the hourly work, you know, doing the tax returns just like normal. And then I realized quickly not having any money, starting with family and everything, I couldn't afford to be the bank. So I had to figure out a way to actually, you know, charge these people, but in the same time, not, you know, not have this. And so I decided, Hey, let's, let's just go ahead and, and bill people up front. You know, so how are we going to do that? 
if we're billing hourly. So we had to kind of change our philosophy and we changed it to like a value bill. And so we, we based it, you know, on, you know, replacement value and all, all these different things we came up with different ideas on this value bill. And uh, we were going to charge them up front and which those, which was great. Clients thought this is awesome. No pushback at all. We thought, wow, this is kind of neat. And so we thought, you know, let's, let's expand this even more and let's meet with the clients more often instead of at the end, end of the year, let's meet with our bigger clients once a month. We thought this would be great. And so we met with them once a month. And so we thought, well, what are we going to talk about once a month? And so we ended up talking about financial statements and stuff like that. And it wasn't really exciting to the client. They didn't, you know, they came sometimes, they didn't come sometimes. It was kind of more of an excuse type of thing. I think they liked me and they wanted to help me out. And so, uh, you know, we thought, how can we make this more valuable to the client? We thought, hey, let's not talk about the past anymore. Let's talk about the future. You know, clients love talking about the future. And so we, we, we flipped our model and we started talking about forward, you know, cash flow, you know, basically cash, next 12 month burn rate. Here's what's coming in, coming out, kind of give them a, that, you know, that view. We started talking about long-term forecasting. So even outside of the, you know, the short term, you know, hey, what's, you know, what's it going to, what's cash going to look like in November, December, January, February, we're going to borrow the line of credit. When we're going to pay off our debt, you know, all that kind of stuff. The clients loved it. Actually, they started coming to the meetings regularly and looking forward to it so much so that they asked us, hey, can we do this more frequently? I'd love, I'd pay if we could do this, if I could meet with you every week. I'm like, well, of course you can meet with every week. And so we started meeting every week with about half our clients and they just loved it. Again, we, we created meeting topics and we we're going to talk about financial statements. Then we're going to talk about forecasting, maybe the next one, then maybe for a service-based company, a pipeline conversation, you know, maybe, you know, maybe about their business development or marketing, you know, some of the things that are outside of the, you know, the quote unquote accounting scope. And we just started really kind of helping the client and really, you know, really helping them run their business. And, and they, they just loved it so much. And, and with that, it became that subscription-based model we had because now we had the value-based billing. And we thought, you know what, let's not invoice the clients anymore. Let's just zap their accounts. You know, why, why send them an invoice? You know, that's kind of silly. No one cares about invoices and they don't, you know, they're always paying late and they're always apologizing while they're paying it late and all, all that kind of stuff. And so we thought, hey, let's do that. And so we we set up where instead of sending invoices, we're going to zap their account every Monday morning. So Monday morning is my favorite day of the week <laughs> by far. <laughs> As you can see, went from zero to $10 million today. Uh, that's a big chunk of money coming in every Monday. And, uh, you know, with that, it's kind of funny. We never look back from that. And the subscription-based billing just kind of picked up and, uh, you know, really headed forward. And we, we really focused on that virtual CFO service as our service vertical and kind of didn't look back from it. We bundled everything up, packaged it up. Like I said, clients loved it. Uh, no pushback on fees ever in regard to the uh, the subscription base because every new client, that's just how we do it. And nice. they don't know anything different, right? And so that's kind of how we went there. So a couple of things based on that then. When you started this, when you left, when you and your wife took the risk at the same month and uh, and, and didn't look back, and I have a question on that, so we'll come back to that. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you were a traditional firm at that point, yeah. right? Yeah. It was just traditional. So, so how long was that process from traditional to outsource CFO? Uh, two years. So once we uh, – after two years, we thought, you know, let's, let's do it. 2004 is when we actually – uh, decided, hey, let's do a vir- let's do this. You know, let's do a virtual CFO. We didn't know we didn't have a name for it. We did a dictionary search. We went and Google. Not, we couldn't find anything but outsourced CFO at the time. Right. And we didn't want to do that because it sounded like it was coming from India or or a different country or something like that. And so we thought, hey, let's change the name of it. And we did virtual. Nobody was nobody on the internet was doing virtual at that time. And so we we did it. You know, you know, years later, we found out there was a few firms doing virtual 
way before us, but just wasn't using the internet to, to advertise it. And we just continued and called it virtual CFO services. Now, nice. a lot of the accounting firms across the nation, you'll see that name, which is kind of nice. And oh, I mean, yeah. it's not my name, but it's, it's the name we used uh, to start the service off. So, you know, so it took two years to convert. It took one, it basically converted everybody pretty quickly. It was within about a year once we started converting them. So does that mean that you stopped doing tax returns then, or were you, were you still doing tax returns? Still did tax return, but we included tax returns as part of the service. So we actually we actually led taxes first, you know. So we okay. meaning that the the whole idea was we're going to provide this forecasting model so that you, the taxpayer, is are going to know exactly what your tax return is going to be in April, and there will be no surprises because we're going to give you forecasts all the way through. You're going to have a great idea. You're going to be able to save the money up in advance. We can do all of our tax planning ahead of time. And then at that point, you've already got the money for it. You're just paying it. And then there's no issues. Because again, that's when, when we started off, we got a lot of our, our clients because they had a big tax surprise in April. And yep. they, they're like, well, they're looking for a new tax preparer. And it's not the taxpayer's fault. <laughs> you know, right. they're just the, uh, the messenger in that regard. Nor is it yep. the taxpayer's fault when they get a big refund. Right. But you know, that's not how clients look at it a lot of times. And so we thought, hey, let's eliminate that. And let's you know make that take that to our advantage. And so that's uh, that's what we did. Well, and, and you said it's not the tax preparer's fault, and it's not. But they also could be more proactive, like you were. And as the tax preparer is just waiting for the numbers at the end of each year, which I yep. don't think they should be doing. And that was the conference you and I were at was a tax advisory yep. conference. Exactly. That they they need to change that mindset because clients don't want that anyways. Clients want what you're doing. You just started doing it twenty years ago. Yep. Um, when a lot of people are just getting to that point now, we're realizing that this not even just you know client accounting service, client advisory services, but tax advisory services is an important aspect yeah wouldn't it be kind of cool randy if um if, if all the business owners had exactly the amount of taxes they need in their bank account by the end of december yeah and then all they're nice. doing is simply cutting that check yep. and that's it because yeah. it's a separate check all by themselves well yeah. that's kind of what our clients experience yeah no is. that's great no surprises they know they're not surprised you don't come march 15th or april 15th or september 15th or october 15th and and say, okay, yeah, well, we did everything we can, and you still owe $222,000, and, right. and then they're not happy. No, they know you've done everything because you've, you've, you've informed them monthly, even weekly yeah. now with, with some. Mm-hmm. And so let's let's go to the pricing then. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many ways I can go because you, what you're doing right now is things that I, I love talking about because this is so important with taxpayers, and it's so important, I think, as we continue to, to grow in our profession, which we need mm-hmm. to continue to grow in a profession. But let's go back a little bit to when you switched the pricing model. Yeah, sure. Because that, that was, I mean, I don't know, when did when did Ron Baker first come out with his value billing uh, uh, book? Oh, it was way before me, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I read his book. That was one of the big things that sparked the idea. Yeah. Um, his was a little different. He, he was value billing based on the tax savings yep. and the savings that the client received. And I, I went into the value bill based on what we're going to replace. Okay. So my, my value is never proven. I didn't have an ROI every year that okay. I had to actually hold up to, right? Because I'm my, my mine is more. Hey, who are we replacing? We're replacing an accountant. You know, so maybe a quarter of an accountant. So you're you're talking maybe fifteen thousand dollars there. Replacing a CFO, maybe a half a CFO or whatever. And so there's another hundred thousand dollars there, and so forth. And that's kind of how we built our pricing structure. Yep. Initially we we didn't we built it on profit margin and stuff like that and it, that that never worked because we we screwed up. We could never get it to where we actually did over over provide as opposed to under provide and we almost went out of business the way that we actually were approaching it in that way. So when we actually reverse rolled it and said, "Hey, we're going to value bill based on what we're replacing." 
it was so much easier. And, you know, the competition wasn't there at all. We had, there was nobody out there doing what we were doing back then. So it was, we were always up against, you know, a warm body. And uh, that was, that was a very easy sale. The, the only difference was that back then we were a brick and mortar company. And so we actually went out to the clients. They came to us. We were face to face. The video stuff didn't exist at the time. Right. And it wasn't until probably 2000, I would say 2009, 2010, that we actually start using the video because that's when actually the lips and the, and, the, and the words and everything actually matched up. <laughs> you know, when we were doing it back way back then. Was, and, uh, and we started using that, but it was still people locally. And it wasn't until we actually got our first creative agency, which we eventually became our niche there in Rhode Island. We're like, you know, hey, they asked us if we could be their CFO. We're in Indiana. And we're like, sure. Why, why couldn't we be? And they're like, well, do you have to come out and, and, and talk to us? And I go, well, do you need us to come out and talk to you? And like, no, we could probably do it over the phone or whatever. I'm like, exactly. That's exactly how we're going to do it. And, and from there on, it was like, we were not going to another client and the clients were going to come to us anymore. So we kind of cut that off right away and went to the complete virtual model in the way that we actually provided the service. And then it wasn't until two years later, because we learned so much from this client, because this client was actually fully remote. You know, back in 2011, they were remote. They were fully remote. Yeah, okay. they were remote. Okay. 100%. 60 folks on their team all across wow. the United States, Canada, and they had a few, few in other countries. And it was like, this is a pretty cool model. And, um, you know, two years later, I thought, you know what, we can do this. I've learned everything from them, what works, what doesn't work. And we decided to do the remote thing in 2013. And I, I went, had, we had 18 people at the time. We weren't really large or anything. Mm-hmm. We had an, I, I owned the building of the office that we worked in. I thought, this is perfect. I'll rent it out to somebody else. This is great. And I went to the team and said, hey, we're going to go fully remote. And uh, they just looked at me like a deer. It's <laughs> like, we are not doing that. You are off your rocker. We always started with a joke. That's how we started meetings off with. And they thought that was the joke. <laughs> it was not the joke. <laughs> it was I was just so excited about it. And then they beat me up so bad and, and with all the different excuses they had. And I thought, you know, I can't lose my team. And so I thought, well, I, I'll just do the remote thing with the clients. And I'll have our brick and mortar office. And so I thought I'm going to remodel the office. And so I truly remodeled it. I kicked everybody out of the office. We gutted it completely. Construction companies tore walls down. They made this thing look pretty cool. We built it for about 30 people thinking that, hey, within about 10 years, we'll probably get to that 30 person mark, hopefully fingers crossed. And, uh, you know, with that, you know, about, it was about six weeks into the, into the deal. Uh, they all had to work from home because I was, we were doing the remodeling and stuff. One by one, they all came to me and it was like, hey, I love this working from home thing. I, you mind if I work from home? And it was like, it was, it was kind of funny at first. I was like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And then it was after like the 15th person came to me. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute here, team meeting, what's going on? <laughs> and uh, and they, they decided, you know, they, they loved it. They figured out all the issues, kind of like fast forward to COVID. You know, everybody figured right. out how to do it. It was, it was it really, it was tough at first, but after six weeks in, it was, you, you figured, you got the rhythm, you figured it out yeah. and they said, Hey, let's do it. And I thought, you know what, this is a, it was a great investment. I spent a hundred grand on a building that I'll never use. <laughs> and, and I could have went, took everybody to Hawaii and had a great yeah, time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And we went from remote from there on on. And, and so, so we were providing a virtual CFO service and I hired people all across the United States. So we we're providing it completely remote to people. Um, in different in different cities across the U.S., which is really kind of a cool concept. And, and when, when you think about it, I could have four people on the call, and they could all four be from different states, oh, yeah. and it, they loved it. And, and and that's when really started things started really picking up when we did that. And 
And because that was our first creative agency, they loved our services so well. They're still a client today. And nice. They referred clients to us left and right. We started really picking up, you know, three or four of these agencies. We had about 10 agencies under our belt. We think, oh, this is pretty cool, pretty cool thing. And then it was, we were kind of fortunate because we were in San Diego at a remote conference conference. Now, keep in mind, in 2013, there was maybe 100 of our, us out there. Right. And Forbes, you know, we were listed in Forbes as one of the first 125 you know, really? firms ever go remote. Yeah. Ver, the first financial firm. Now who knows if that's true, but that's what Forbes listed us as right. at the time. And, uh, you know, with that, you know, we're like, you know, this is kind of cool. We're learning from all these companies, what to do, right. What to do wrong. And a, uh, creative agency owner that basically ran, uh, leadership camps for creative agencies approached us, just happened to be at the conference there and said, you know, Hey, would you be interested in going to new Orleans and teaching, you know, creative agencies, how to be profitable? We've got this accountant right now. He's, he's got his like, you know, pocket protector and calculator in his pocket and all that kind of stuff. And he's really not uh, connecting with the with the with the uh, with the lead with the leaders there. And I'm like, yeah, I'd be happy to do that. And I thought, yeah, let's let's try it. You know, and and they're like, well, when can you do this? And now keep in mind, at that point in our career, I had no money. <laughs> I still had you know, we're scraping along, yep. trying to figure it out. You know, we'd have some success, then we'd be back failure, success, failure, success, failure. And, uh, you know, I, so I talked my wife into me going to San Diego at this remote conference without her, <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, I'm in Indiana, nice weather. And now I've got to figure out how I'm going to explain it to her that I'm going to New Orleans in two weeks. <laughs> so oh, wow. I, uh, I did, she was excited about it Went to New Orleans in two weeks, you know, with that, uh, I had no idea what I was going to prepare. I ha- happened to pull a nerve in my neck at the time if you've ever done that it's it's yeah. horrible yeah you're walking around and you can hardly move and being on an airplane is even worse that's the that was by far the worst experience uh trying to stay still and i uh, went to new orleans and i had no idea what i was even going to talk about you know it was like you know I, I had two weeks to prepare this i had a complete mental blank uh he said don't have a powerpoint so i'm like okay so i just got to talk you know what am i going to what am I going to talk about? Because uh, he didn't want me to do the traditional CPA thing. And I'm like, okay. And I go, well, I go, give me an easel board and I'll see if I can do something on an easel board. And I said, no idea. And, and I got down there and my luggage didn't show up. Oh. It went to uh, Tennessee. I'm in New Orleans. It went to Nashville. And I thought, wow, what, what do I do now? So I walked over to the, the mall. I bought some medicine for my, a leave for my neck because my neck was on fire. My phone was dead. So I got a battery or I got a charger for my phone. I got a bottle of water and, and then I'm like, okay, now I got to find some clothes to wear. And, and uh, with that, um, right across the street was a town in Bahama. And I thought, that's kind of different. You know, that's not a traditional CPA. Right. Right. <laughs> I, think I could do that. Plus it was really close. I was in pain. I thought this would be great. And so I walked into Tommy Bahama. If you ever shopped there before, expensive as heck. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Very expensive. And I thought, oh, my wife is going to just kill me now. So I bought two shirts and two pairs of pants. I didn't have any clothes. And then I thought, well, now well, I got to go get some shoes. And I went to pay for it. And my credit card got denied. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. You really you know? didn't have any money. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what is going on here? So I got my other credit card out and I used that and went through fine. And so then I went to the, you know, right next door, which just happened to be a shoe store. A guy helped me pick out shoes for this Tommy Bahama. And I was pretty stoked about it. Got a couple pairs of shoes and went up to pay. And my second car got denied. I'm like, I'm like, oh no, this is not good. So I pulled my debit card out. I'm like, I know I got cash in here. And uh, so I, I get my debit card goes through no problem. And so I'm thinking, wow, that was weird. No idea what's going on. And 
but uh, just happened that I had a, we had our, our uh, dinner that we had to attend that kind of like a welcome dinner with all the different owners of the firms that are coming together as a welcome dinner before the actual conference. And there's 30 of us there. And I'm, I'm like, you know, Hey, this is kind of cool. I'm going to get everybody's appetizers. I'm the financial guy. I kind of make a good impression on everybody. And so I go and order appetizers that we've got all these kinds of, they had all these kinds of oysters and all different kinds. It was, it was really cool. And I went up to pay for it. And guess what? <laughs> My debit card didn't work. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> you know, I, I turned the guy next to me. I've only talked to for like maybe an hour. I go, dude, I have no clue what's going on. He goes, he goes, Oh, you don't travel much, dude. I go, no, not at all. Oh. He goes, oh, protections on yes. your Yes. I'm like, Oh, I go, I go, oh, can you pay for my meal and their appetizers? I'll get you in the morning. <laughs> He's like, no problem. <laughs> so, so I got him up in the morning, all that type, type of stuff. Yeah. And then I, I got to the conference and I was like, I still didn't know what to talk to. I let off. I was the very first speaker. I'm like, this is going to really be bad. And so I started off and I, um, I, I basically start off talking about the experience, you know, going, you know, to, you know, with the leave and, and credit cards getting denied and everything, everybody's just laughing. And uh, it was a great icebreaker. Yep. And I, it was one of those things I, it, I just did it. Cause I, you know, why, why am I wearing Tommy Bahama? <laughs> and then I, then I asked everybody, Hey, if you could raise your prices by 10 bucks uh, with all your clients, I go, would, would you, um, would you lose any clients? And I raise your hand if you, you know, hold your hand if you don't think you'd lose a client. And then I, then I went to 20 bucks. I went to 30 bucks, 40 bucks and started falling and stuff. And I go, okay, let's keep that $10 in mind. And so then I, I got the easel board out and it hit me right away that, Hey, I'm going to show them how to be profitable. And so I drew up what utilization, you know, drew some stick figures and I'm not an artist by any mm-hmm. stick figures. And I had, and I, I can't calculate in my head. I, I, admittedly, I'm a CPA that cannot calculate <laughs> in their head. So I, I grab somebody and go, Hey, give me my calculator. And they're like, yeah. And so they're participating and he's doing the calculations for me. I'm going through utilization, average bill rate, making it super simple. And I, I broke it down that, Hey, one producer should make about $200,000 and they showed, and I showed how to do it. And I go, let's make 17 producers. Okay. I mean, now we've got $3 million. I go, Okay, now let's just raise. Now, now we talked about it, and everybody here said that they could raise their rates by ten dollars, right? I go, well, let, let's see what's that going to amount. Because they started the thing off saying that everybody needed to have ten percent of their annualized revenue in the bank. So, if you're a three million dollar firm, three hundred thousand dollars, I asked everybody how much. If, if anybody had that, I'd say half had that, yep. half didn't. And so then I got back and I said, hey, this is ten dollars. And so I, I the ten dollars, we redid the formula, average bill rate of ten dollars miraculously it came out to three hundred thousand dollars <laughs> and uh, they're like wow this is cool and uh it was just like but i always, i thought i did a horrible job yeah you know i was like this is bad you know here i'm doing stick figures i'm doing all this unprofessional stuff and and uh, they just loved it so much that twitter just kind of blew up really and uh and, and i i like i said i had no idea I, I wasn't even on twitter at the time so it was like i had no clue what was going on and uh, the owner came up and said, you know what? Hey, we'd love for you to do this again. You hit home run. I would apologize to him at first. I go, I am so sorry. He goes, oh, you did really well. <laughs> and then he asked me to come back. And uh, so I, I came back and, and the, the, it was like two weeks later. Again, it was like a two-week, two-week, two-week thing. And uh, he goes, uh, hey, where's it at? And he's like, in Chicago. I'm like, oh, I'm in Fort Wayne. I can drive to Chicago. My wife won't care. <laughs> this would be great. I go, but the funny part about it was is I went out and bought Dockers and cool polos with my emblem on it there, your logo and everything. And I brought my uh, one of my CFOs there. He had the same thing. We look great. We show up at the conference. He catches me in the uh, in the in the meeting room there, and he goes, he "Goes, dude, what'd you do?" And I go, 
what do you mean? What did I do? And he goes, he goes, where's your Hawaiian shirts? <laughs> and I go, and what do you mean? And he goes, well, that's what set you apart. You were so different right. than everybody else. Right. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> so in that half hour, I went down to Chicago, <laughs> bought Hawaiian <laughs> shirts, came back. And I go, I, I'll tell you what, I wore, I wear Hawaiian shirts all the time in every conference, everywhere. Oh, yeah. You can kind of pick me out because of the Hawaiian shirt for the most part. Oh, yeah. No, I know it. You have a caricature that is you in a Hawaiian shirt. And I actually wrote on my notes here to talk to you about your Tommy Bahama shirt. So, see, I know you as that already. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's where the niche started coming from. And so we started doing these conferences and I'll, I'll be honest with you, we, we did them for about three months and didn't pick up a client. Okay. But the whole, whole idea is I did that same conference. I did, you know, I basically broke it down, showed them how to be profitable. Right. And, and kind of, I, nothing about sales. I was never at once asking for it and everyone's really talking about right. it. We had, a, we had an introduction or they'd introduce me as a virtual CFO, blah, blah, blah. But it was never a sales pitch whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they loved it because they, they would call me, ask me questions and, and, and all, all this kind of stuff, but no clients. And then it was probably after, I would say maybe, I'd have to go back and look, maybe fourth or fifth one I did in about a nine-month period, I got my first uh, call. Uh, that first call ended up being 11 calls within about a month. And we ended up picking up 11 calls in one month in the month of November. It's six in the month of December. And it was like four or five in the month of January. I thought, oh, no, <laughs> this isn't good. <laughs> this isn't good at all because I don't have people to, to actually service all this. Right. You know, what am I going to do? I can only do so many of these clients. And uh, that's when the Forbes article hit. And all of a sudden, I got resumes you would, from oh, unbelievable really? resumes. Nice. Uh, 2,000 resumes within about a day. It was unreal. And I thought it, now it's just a matter of going through them and trying to open them up and get them all, you know, figure out who was going to be what. Right. But we actually went through a bunch of them and we figured it out. We, we were able to hire some CFOs and then we were able to kind of stop the bleeding and really kind of dial in the, the virtual CFO process and, and make sure it's repeatable and, and that it wasn't heavily relied upon me because it became heavily relied upon me real quick. Right. Because, you know, I got 11 clients now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. How am I going to handle it? You know, that type of thing. Exactly. And so uh, that's when it blew up. So we we actually niched both in, like you had mentioned, in a a service vertical as well as an industry vertical. And I'm telling you, the power of the niche is is huge. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, the virtual CFO, we'd pick up one to four clients a, a year and we'd be like, oh, yeah, this is great. Just with the vertical niche. Right. And trying hard to pick them up, you know, trying to pick up anybody. And it wasn't until we actually focused on that creative agency niche that we actually started really blowing it up. Now, that's not saying that we didn't pick up clients outside of that. Mm-hmm. 60% of our client base is in that creative agency niche. Okay. 40% is something else. So we, we marketed strictly towards it, but we could pick up and then we could modify our, our service offering, you know, by the different, different company. But again, it wasn't, it wasn't until then that uh, it, it just really changed things for us. Yep. And then, so right now you market, Pretty much solely to digital agencies. That's your deal. Yep. But you last year you merged in with Anders, who's a, a, yep. a, a top 100 CPA firm, right? Yep. And out yeah, of St. Louis. Yep. And uh, I assume that their niche is not digital agencies. Are you going to be expanding your service offerings from digital agencies to whatever niche practices they have then? Yeah. So when we, one of the big things was when they, they saw me talk at a panel conference at Engage a couple of years ago. And with that, they, you know, they were thinking, hey, let's look for this virtual CFO. Let's see if we can incorporate that into our service package. I wasn't looking to sell or merge or anything like that. I uh, had really no no interest in it. Why, why not? Mm-hmm. Highly profitable, growing at, we're doubling our size every three years. That's how, 
that it's a very high speed. And our bottom line was about 20, 25%. So it was like, there's nothing wrong with this. Yep. You know, I'll keep doing this forever. And then when they, when they came to me, well, a couple of companies came to us and said, you know what? I like, I like how you're doing things. You guys are like at what? 8 million or whatever we're now. I go, is there a way you can get to 50 million? <laughs> I was like, oh, geez, out. How, you know, we're growing really well. Why do you need 50 million? <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, hey, we're going to get to 20 million in three years. Right. You know, they're like 50 million. I'm like, geez. So we, we thought about it. And it's like, you know, what would it take for us to do that? And it's like, well, it would take a, it would take capital. We'd have to have capital because we'd have to, you know, when you grow that fast, it's really hard to be profitable. And so we'd have to hire ahead, you know, expect attrition, you know, get training, you know, really dial out of our process processes in. And, and uh, you know, and, and we thought we could we could do it if we had the right thing, and it just happened the right per- partnership came by with nice. Anders. They uh, courted us in October, and by, and by June or by June we had or by a- actually April first we actually had the the deal signed. So it was a very quick courtship. It is. Yep. And with with that, it wasn't a traditional merger in, in the sense of merger where um, we were going to get paid out down the road. It was like the the only way that I was going to do it is if we got paid out. Sixty uh, percent of our value at the day of closing, and then the remaining forty percent five years later, with a guaranteed salary in between. And so I knew that hey, I could still it, it, with their help, and they loved it too because they knew we were there for the long term. We weren't going to just you know you know you know sell and then leave. But I, we knew that hey, with their help, we think we can get to that fifty million dollar mark in that five year period. If it's six years, high five. If it's four years, even better. But we knew we could get there versus if we were trying to do it ourselves. Um, and so they, they were willing to take that risk on us. And so that was the uh, the big merger there. And so then so then the idea is, well, how are we going to do that? You know, are we going to just focus on creative agencies and really try to get into more? We could, you know, and we're going to, and we're going right. to spend some money and time on that. But we, we identified a few other verticals that we'd like to, to go into and uh, really kind of repeat our processes and repeat what we did in order to, you know, really blow the creative agency space up. Makes um, sense. That. We've identified some, you know, uh, thought leaders and, and uh, working with that and really kind of just marketing it up now. So, yeah, so we decided to, to limit it to five. So we want to have five total verticals within, within the next five years and uh, you know, being our mainstreams. And with verticals, I don't mean that, like a, like an accounting firm says, oh yeah, I've got five construction companies and eight beauty salons, and I've got this. Well, that was just happenstance, you know. Right. Verticals are when you actually focus your marketing efforts and everything. You become a thought leader in that mm-hmm. in that market, and, and people then come to you versus you go to them. Yeah. And then that's how it's been for us for ten years. You know, we've not spent, you know, you know, any money out doing outbound marketing. We do all inbound marketing. You know, our, our, we're doing thought leadership all the time, writing yep. articles, writing books, like you you mentioned earlier. We're on webinars. This is my third podcast of the day. You know, it, all, all that. Yeah, believe it or not, three. <laughs> this is three. Yeah, yeah, I've done. I think two in a day. Three would be. I, I don't know if I would even want. Yeah, that, this but. is the third time I've had three in a day within the last three weeks. All right, <laughs> the most fun though, right? Oh, it's a blast. You know, this right. is great. Just sharing the story and yep. teaching people how we do it. 
So we, I said at the beginning, niche, I just love that. And, and we're a niche, we have a niche service, especially tax. Obviously, niche industries grow off of that mm-hmm. just because they, yep. there are certain ones that, that do that. But I just love that because you just said everything, all the benefits of it. You can be out there. You can be educating. And that's what I do, too. You and I are almost the same. Oh, I know. I'm out educating all the time. I, you have a podcast. I have a podcast. You speak at conferences. I speak at conferences. You write. I'm writing a book. It's starting January 1st. Uh, we haven't got the book. I got the outline set for that, but it's just, you can, uh, big examples. And you're going to be start be one of my examples now, but Josh Lance, craft breweries, mm-hmm. they just come yeah. to him. Brandon Hall, real estate investors, they just come to him. And he says, I don't know how many leads he gets a month, but it's unbelievable. And he's, he's doing the same thing. He's yep. out educated and he's doing the podcast he's doing. And so I think, I think it's well proven out. I think you've done a great job with it. And uh, um, so I'm going to be bragging from now on that I know you. I didn't do it till today. So after today, I'll start bragging. I know you now. <laughs> so, um, all right. So there, there's a plenty of things I want to talk about, but I want to go back to a couple of things and we're going to wrap up pretty quick here. And then I'll, I'll ask for some final thoughts. But first, and I think this is an important thing because you and your wife, Lee, and this, I'm going way back to the beginning here. Yep. You and your wife both decided to do this at the same time. Yep. And you've heard this, I'm sure, from people. It's like, well, weren't you afraid? Weren't you scared? Wasn't the, And I think when you're an entrepreneur and you have an idea, you just do it. You don't think about it. I think some people do. I don't, at least. It's just like, hey, there's an opportunity there. I'm going to go do it. And I never think, oh, it could fail. And it can, but I don't think that. You know, um, I, Were you the same way? Hundred percent the same way. Failure yeah. was never even thought about it. You know, no. all the different roadblocks I hit. I'm like, okay, now how am I going to get around that? It went from the billing. Hey, I'm out of money. What do I do? I can continue on, or I can go out of business. Well, let's figure out how to get my money quicker. Yep. And that was, yeah. Yeah, you know, that that's innovation there. Yep. You know, hey, let let's grow quicker. You know that. You know, so it, it was never. And believe me, I failed many, many times. You know, every year it's like, hey, this next year is going to be the year. You know, it's going to be the year because. X, Y, Z. And then all of a sudden ABC showed up and X, Y, Z is gone. It's like, well, this isn't going to be the year. Next year is going to be the year. Here's why. And I'm writing it out. I'm forecasting it out. And it was a constant thing. And and it it was never that I'm going to fail. You know, it's like, I'm just going to have to figure out how to succeed. Yep. Nope. And I see that. And part of what I say with that is there's opportunities that are out in front of everybody all the time. And some people react to them or some people act on it, which is great. And some people don't, which is great. You don't have to. You don't have to have that. But but it's not like, you know, you lucked into something, you fell into something, and, and it's just you saw the opportunity and you went with it. And I think that's important mm-hmm. to, for people to realize that it's, it's you know, just just act and you can't be afraid. Right. You know, you can be cautious or whatever. You cannot take oh, yeah, for sure. stupid yeah. risks, uh, but do it. So, so both of you are doing it at the same time. Yep. Gives me the idea you both have similar personalities that way. Yep. Yeah, we do. All right. 34 years of similar personalities. All so. right. Yeah. My <laughs> wife and I just hit 36 years. So again, we are really, all right. There you go. Um, although we've known each other for, we're seven years before, no, five years before we got married. So we met at 19 years old. So nice, nice. And then, so another thing going backwards. Yep. Tommy Bahama. Is that at that mall right on the river in New Orleans? Is that the Tommy Bahama? It is. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> I, I've, sh- I've shopped there plenty of times. You've been there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. In, in the, fact, in, in, the, uh, in the fashion mall. Yeah. That's the fashion yep. mall. I, I, I bought yep. plenty of clothes there. In fact, Tommy Bahama, I got five Tommy Bahama shirts delivered to my house today. Nice. Just as a pro tip, 
Nordstrom Rack, you can actually get some pretty good deals on Tommy Bahama shirts. Marshall, same way. All right. All right. <laughs> there you go. So I just need to get that in. Um, advisory, I wanted to get into that, but we're running out of time because that's all you do. And advisory is another hot button topic for, for me and for yeah. you, I think. But mm-hmm. but the, the pricing, we could have got further into subscription. I think we're going to have to do another podcast because I want to talk about the subscription Absolutely. pricing. I want to talk about the advisory because how yeah. important that is. We talked about it a little bit, but how deep you guys get into that as well. Yeah. And many of other things we could talk about your family. We could talk about your coaching that you've done with that. <laughs> um, uh, um, but before I get to a couple of final questions that aren't related to what we talked about, anything you want to wrap up on the, on, on the discussion we had so far today? Uh, you know, the, the big thing is that, you know, completely, I'm completely open book, completely transparent. You know, we, open our, open our books completely to our employees. You know, our, our employees actually know what each other, what, what everybody makes. So we're even, we're even that transparent when it comes to salaries. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you know what salary band someone's in, you know exactly where they're at. Okay. Uh, we, we do a lot of cool things with incentives. And, and so we, we make everything super transparent and we open everything up for every, everyone. So if, if anybody's interested, I know it's kind of throwing it out there, you know, don't hesitate, just shoot me an email and, you know, I'd be happy to chat with you for an hour and, and just uh, kind of help you out. I think that's just the way that the good karma that's been you know thrown my yep. way, I can definitely throw back. So uh, just let everybody know that. Yep. No, I appreciate that. And that's one of my mantras is share your knowledge. Yep. I try to do that wherever I can. So I was going to get to that at the end, but why, since you just said it, why don't you tell everybody how they can get a hold of you then if they want to reach out? Oh, just uh, shoot me an email. Uh, it's Jody, J-O-D-Y at Summit cpa.net i guess dot net not dot com i didn't want to spend the money on the dot com stuff so it is dot net so it's summit cpa.net that's our website and then jody j-o-d-y in front of it there so jody at summit cpa.net so that's the other thing we had in common when we started we were try dash merit.net dot com became available about uh five years ago and so now we have dot com as well gotcha. all right so if one final question then before we wrap up and i ask this mm-hmm. to all the guests because i think it's important we have fun i think i felt like we have fun here today oh, yeah business is fun but we have passions outside of business we have passions outside of work i assume you do and so why don't you let me know when you're not working when you're not running the business when you're not doing cfo services uh or what are your passions outside of work what do you enjoy doing you know, my, my, mine are completely around my kids. So yeah. outside of like the hobbies, like golf and fishing and stuff like that, oh. uh, we focus our time, you know, going around our kids, our kids, one's in Kansas and med school and the other's uh, medical device sales in Florida. And so we try to share, you know, time, you know, flying down to Florida or, or whatever. And if we're, if we're not meeting with the kids, then we're doing some traveling. And so we travel a lot and, uh, Outside of going to conferences where I'm speaking all the time, we try to vacation and maybe take the family to, uh, you know, a really nice vacation once a year. And, and uh, so just spending time with the kids is really the our biggest thing. You know, that's, uh, you know, that's kind of what we've uh, created. That's how we created our company for the most part. We want to work it around our kids yep. and, and, and uh, that's really never quit. Are you actually me? I mean, am I talking to myself right now? I just got I, this. I think so. That's okay. why we got along so well. <laughs> All, right. All right. All right. Well, Jody, uh, this, I think I really do want to do this again because there's other things we can go over. Um, but I really appreciate you being here today. It was awesome. I had a great time. I learned a lot. And uh, I mentioned that I'm January 1st. I'm starting a book. You're going to be mentioned in that book now because you you, oh, you, sweet, you taught you. us so much information. If the book ever gets released. I shouldn't be talking about the book now because now I'm going to jinx it. <laughs> and we're never going to finish it. But, uh, but yeah, thanks again for being here. You bet. 
Thank you for joining us today on The Unique CPA. You can find the show notes for today's episode and learn more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting app. And join us next time as Randy talks to Tina White of Panoramic Academy on The Unique CPA. Professional Productions.net.